Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Colorado Comedy Cast. Colorado Comedy Cast, Colorado Comedy Cast, Colorado Comedy Cast, Colorado Comedy Cast. That is not a tongue twister, and now you know. Uh, so basically, I started um, recording these in December, four months ago. Um, and it turns out that wanting to have like 15 podcasts in the can and be completely prepared and be able to launch one every week and all that stuff is a really good idea if you're a professional. But if you don't have, you know, the time and money to do that kind of thing, it gets really annoying and it turns out that you quit doing everything and abandon the podcast, only to come back to it a few months later, uh, now, and uh, go, you know what, I should just do it. I should just put them out. So, basically, here's the first podcast I recorded. I recorded it with Aaron Owens. You'll meet him. He's a delightful fellow. Um, and I'm just going to put out podcasts whenever I darn well please. Um, no real uh, rhyme or reason. Uh, I'm not doing this for pay. I'm just kind of screwing around and I uh, hope you like it. So uh, without further ado, here's the first podcast. Hey guys, what's up guys? This is Zach Harris with Colorado Comedy Podcast. Um, and I've got in the studio with us, the studio being uh, the basement, uh, I've got with us Aaron Owens. Hey, what's going on, man? It's uh, 1st of December. Excited to be here. Nice, nice. 1st of December. Uh, we can't say dates what well, we could, but technically we'll be airing first this. 1st of the month. It, it's, it's a day. It's the day of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, yes. No one knows when that is, except our listeners in New York and other Jewish <laughs> infiltrated. In fact, that's a really bad way to say um, uh, Jewish heavy areas? I'm, I'm Jewish if that helps. Yeah, I have a little bit of Jew. I got hairy thighs. Well, that was <laughs> <laughs> And now we're, our whole podcast, we're done. <laughs> we are no longer recording a podcast. Anti Semitic. All right, yeah, what's going on here? All right. You know what? We're actually recording to a university. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Really, they enjoy this kind of stuff. Yeah, universities love this kind of stuff. Jewish universities. You have to be specific. Jew you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we're, we've been recording for approximately one minute, and we've already lost 17 listeners uh, of, a, of an estimated 15 who were going to listen. Uh, all of our families, our Jewish families. Um, <laughs> I think that explains the reality of like a real spreading like a wildfire, because it's usually a negative thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually had a boss who said, uh, the truth can get around the world before the, or no, a lie can get around the world before the truth has a chance to get its pants on. Wow. Yeah, like, I think lies spread easier because the truth is more like a, the truth is a lot more complex and a lot less bullet pointy than real world. And so a lie is just like, this Simple. guy did this thing, he's from this group, therefore hate this group. Ah. Yeah. You don't have to tell the whole story. Yeah, you don't have to tell the whole story. And there's the real world has insane amounts of nuance, which is like, I think why the Bible is popular, uh, unpopular in a lot of ways, but also why I think it's real is because it has the weird complexities and stupidities of real life. That is something interesting. Especially discussing, you know, since we're not around. Yeah, we're around the holidays. Which holidays? You don't know. Uh, <laughs> Whichever ones we choose to. Uh, <laughs> we choose to. We're around uh, Easter Miss. Easter Miss. Easter Miss, yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite time of the year, actually. Is it? Yeah. You get to search for, uh, you know, the eggs that have red cups in it from Starbucks. <laughs> uh, that Starbucks thing was so dumb. No one, I. I I saw like 50 people post about how evil it was that they were worried about the red cups. Not a single person 
said a life. thing about how about how the Red Cups were evil. <laughs> it turns out it was actually just a radio show. Like oh. they were doing a parody, they were doing a joke thing, and it just yeah. got picked up by the news. Once again, a lie. Yeah. You know, I mean, whatever if you want to define what a lie is, it doesn't yeah. matter. But something that's not concrete. Yeah. It just spreads. Yeah. And there's going to be people, I mean, I'm sure there were people offended by it because there are people offended by everything in the world, but not a sizable, but not Not real people because there's, there's the people who call up the complaint lines on like boxes of, you know, microwavable dinners. There are those people. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you can go to restaurants often enough, you hear the complaints. It just happens. It's not even a real thing. Yeah. And it's just those people have issues. I mean, it's so funny. One of the things that people would comment is like, why are people so mad about the Red Cups? And mm-hmm. I was like, not many people really are mad about I'm not the Red saying... Cups. It's like, but people believe that people yep. were mad just because two yeah. people said it. And I was like, it's not a thing. But because you're believing it, yeah. now it's a thing. Yeah. It's silly. So anyway, welcome to uh, Colorado Comedy Podcast, Colorado Comedy Cast, whatever we decide to call it. Um, um, so uh, I'm Zach Harris, by the way. Uh, I'm... The host and you know person who does stuff here, and I created this comedy cast because uh, I always wanted to do a podcast. And I've got with me uh, the delightful, the lovely, the six foot six Aaron Owens. That is I. I've never been described as delight- the delightfully lovely <laughs> by a man before. At least. <laughs> yeah, my my mother, maybe my sister. But I'll take it. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. I'm yeah. glad to be here. This is a wonderful studio you have down here, and uh, have a good time. In my basement with the futons folded out because <laughs> um, I live with my uh, my. I bought a house with my little brother and his wife, and her relatives were in town, so they were all. Every couch in our house is actually a pullout couch or a folds into a futon. By by, you bought a house with your little brother. Like your little brother came along with the house. Is that what yeah, happened? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, it's kind of like a big brothers, big sisters thing. They're oh. really trying to get people into the mentoring programs. So if you buy a house now, I mean, Starbucks they just started. If you if you buy a cup of coffee, you get a kid. You get it. interesting. Not like a kid, kid. Like a like a thirteen year old mentor. Like a big. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, it's a big brother thing. Yeah, but not like the reality television show Big Brother. No, 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 nothing like that. Um, but this is. I mean, I, I bought the house, my brother. Oh. This is a great idea to do a podcast about a false reality. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually good. I like that. So, no, what actually, I mean, I actually did. So, my brother has money and contracting <laughs> skills, and I have no money and no contracting skills, but I ha- had, now I don't, but I had good, really good credit, like phenomenal, phenomenal, over 800. So, I had phenomenal credit. And um, then, so basically, the deal was hey, Zach, if you pay 300 bucks a month, We'll do all the rest, and we'll flip the house, and you just do all the paperwork crap and all the uh, all the um, legal stuff. And legal stuff. stuff. Yeah, just all the crap that you know. It's it took no jokes. It yeah. is no joke getting a house, which is wild because you think I don't know it'd be easier. I guess. Yeah. Well, it's law. I mean, okay. contract like so. Lawyers make it. The more uh, lawyers are involved in something, so like. If you buy a TV, you're not going to sue them and loo- and you're not going to be screwed out of 200 grand. Right, right. If you buy a house, if everything isn't precise and exactly legal. Then a lot can go wrong. And yeah. Then more people are involved. And so it's actually a good idea in the long run. I yeah, yeah. Okay. And buying a house is a huge investment. You don't want – I mean that was part of the reason why – the you know big housing crash happened was because they were just letting anyone buy a house. Ah, so see what it leads to. So six months, even though it's a long process, a lot of work. Yeah, like you almost did that like hours, hours a week. Yeah, hours oh, upon hours a week. Yeah, for sure. So wild, but it's nice. 
it's going to be really good. Yeah. Especially if you're going to flip it, like you said. Yeah, I'm going to flip. Well, I'm not going to flip it. Matt's going to flip it. No, I do the paperwork <laughs> stuff. Do he does the <laughs> flipping stuff. I mean, I do, I help him out. Like we took up the carpet and got a hardwood. Uh, put it basically underneath our carpet. There was a hardwood floor. Nice. For no for no reason, they just like put a carpet over the hardwood floor. So that was just. It took us like five hours, including cleanup, and now we have a hardwood floor upstairs. That's that's sweet. We'll be able to sand it, put it down. Yeah polish it and we're going to do that like three months before we sell it so it'll be super shiny super shiny so the baby doesn't mess it up beforehand huh? yeah 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 um so anyway uh we're talking with aaron owens he uh has been doing stand-up for what about a year a yeah bit? coming up on a year that's right yeah and um so uh aaron did, uh did uh was recently in a, an improv group as well uh called improvisaurus with me yep. um so aaron is a fledgling comedian in the colorado scene but you're used to talking on big stages. Yeah, very, very used to talking on big stages. I actually used to uh, to do some things with different camps, uh-huh. like uh, Athletes in Christ and different things with uh, even speaking in front of a lot of people, old people specifically. So yeah. I'd do like young people all the way to nursing homes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It was really interesting. Um, talking to teenagers, you, you think maybe talking to young people where they like actually get what you're saying would be easier, but I don't know, man. They're, they have like five to a dozen to 25 different things on their minds yeah. that they're thinking so they're not just listening to your words they're probably more concerned about the hair placement mm-hmm. you know what kind of facial hair you have if, you, if your jeans are tight enough or baggy enough depending on what what hair it is. <laughs> yeah you know and when you go to these nursing homes man all they do is here because they can hardly like can hardly move a muscle i'm just being honest with you they're like 95 years old yeah well and powerful. i think there's there's something about teenagers are in this world where everyone's on the come up everyone's rising so everyone mm-hmm. You know, like a stock, everyone wants to be in on the hot new stock. But I mean, and this is this is a really sad thing. But like in a nursing home, these people don't get visited a ton. No, they don't. And nope. so, just being able to go there, you have you have an audience who really very interesting. Yeah, you, your clout is already high just because you're there. Even yeah. though they've been had family who probably invested years and years into their lives, yeah. the fact that they haven't been there as much in the past recent history of their lives. Yeah, you know, they give clout to all these people that come in. So it's it's also really fun because you get to hear all the stories and uh, all yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, view and perspective on people and things. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I was actually working on uh, – well, by working on – so for you uh, listeners at home or in your car, you know, wherever people listen, um, <laughs> I, w- I have a lot of schemes – and I'm working on them, but I, I pretty much work on them in the in the concept of researching it, getting the URL, and doing doing like all the stuff except for actually selling the product. Okay. Um, so I was working on it. I was trying to start a thing called um, My Life Story, and it would be basically just take DVD, uh, take like a camera in and just have an interview with these uh, older people about how they got what how they got married, what happened when they were childhood, their craziest stories, because every person in a nursing home has something insane that's crazy. happened. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. One of them was like, for example, I think they were the uh, the wife of the guy who started Michelin Tires or something. So oh, they, wow. So the money and the dollars. Yeah. But not just that, but the starting of the company and the whole as it got the rising up. And you just, how would you yeah. know that? You know, they're like normal people just talking, yeah. speaking with you. They're not necessarily in that same uh, level of society when yeah. they're in a nursing home as they were maybe the past 50 years Which is life. crazy because they've they've done stuff yes. that yes. is real. That Very is real. 
things that you and I would consider in this day. Yeah. If we knew those people, we would be impressed. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, dude, check this, my friend. Her husband start. She helped start Michelin yep. tires. Yep. And you would talk about them a lot. Like, this is my neighbor. Da 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 da. All this is kind of things you tell those stories. Yet. I don't know if it's just because it's not current mm-hmm. that we don't do it or just the new people, they only know what they know. When I, new people, I just mean younger. Yeah. You know, it's just, I guess you just know what you know and live in the world that you live in and it's not as common that you meet strangers unless they're your grandparents who are. Yeah. Well, there's a, I forget which con- country, one of the countries in the world, you know, of the many countries, they, um, <clears throat> they started a program where they basically uh, do kind of like daycare nursing home type things. So the kids get to be tutored and work with the old people. Interesting. Which is so perfect because, I mean, when you go through menopause or andropause, your brain uh, actually rewires to have more, place more value on on children. You know, whether that's okay. God or genetics or whatever, it's, I mean, I or believe both. it could be both. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's a thing where basically when you get older, your brain switches from about, you know, my legacy, let's create something to... Let's help the help the kids. Let's help the society. Let's let's take care of the next the next generations and give them stuff. That's that just makes me think about the reality of a lot of times we think it all it should be all or nothing. In yeah. other words, like uh, just in I don't know self improvement, self help, you know, humanitarian, just being a good citizen or person. Yeah, you would think, oh, we need to be more like old people. And people in their 30s and 20s would tell, and then, or we might tell people that are older, like they need to be more like younger. When the reality is, there might just be different stages in yeah, your life. Yeah, true. That it's just a time to maybe build your own legacy in, in one sense, mm-hmm. because that time's not going to last forever. Yeah. So, in, or even in order to build it, so that you can raise those other ones to build it and to build it and to build it, and then almost like you get to chill and relax and rest and enjoy the fruits of your labors. I don't know. It's just and enjoy the few fruits of showing others how to do your mm-hmm. labors. You know, because these are. No one makes it without people behind. Them. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, that's just people. People. People say they do sometimes. Yeah. Self-made millionaires. You know. Self-made millionaires still had employees. They still had dozens of people <clears throat> behind them too. Even if it wasn't their parent who they thought yeah. should have been there, and they had like daddy issues or whatever. Well, I mean, I. You know, I think that I, I felt like I haven't had a mentor. Okay. Like, but then I someone wrote something on Facebook or something, and it made me realize I have books. I'm being wow. mentored by uh, G.K. Chesterton or C.S. Lewis or Kierkegaard or, or um, you know, Thomas Sowell. Like, all these brilliant people who've spent their entire lives doing something. Very interesting. And so it's not that I don't have a mentor. I just, my mentor, I don't know them personally, and that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It's really okay, especially, like, if you're going after similar things that you're reading from the books, but the people around you don't aren't experts in those yeah. areas. Yeah, They couldn't – how would they show up for – like, that, that yeah. wouldn't be fair for to expect them to show up for you in that area, but yet they support you in a, a lot of other areas. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good thought. It's kind of like you all, when you're a kid, you kind of – when you're a teenager, you, you know, hate your parents or whatever. True. But that's because you've never experienced a life without them. Mm. If you had a life without them, it'd be different because – I mean, you wouldn't have food. You would be sur- you would be spending all of your energy and resources on just survival, on you know getting your next meal. Like you don't realize how even the people who maybe aren't in your uh, field or don't gotcha, care about gotcha. you know I care about philosophy, theology, mm-hmm. comedy, economics, that kind of stuff. Like, but that doesn't mean the people who don't care about that aren't getting me there because they're providing yes. the real life base to get me into really my airy fairy, you know, mm-hmm. the theoretical crap. Yeah. 
something like for my dad, for example, like he grew up, he played a little bit of sports, but not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But my brothers and I, we really liked basketball. My yeah. dad didn't know anything about basketball. In fact, he came out to play with us twice. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a comedy show. Is what it was. It was bad. Yes, it was really bad. But the fact that he came out was awesome. Yeah, and and he worked extra hard to get a bonus because he bought us like a real life NBA basketball hoop that we oh, put wow. in our front yard. That's cool. You know what I mean? Things like that. He was always at our games. He made sure we had the best shoes. We get the pennies, the you know the Kobe's and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's a very intentional or firsthand mm-hmm. application of what you're talking about. Like he really did show up in that area. But even uh, he never knew anything about comedy mm-hmm. or performing. And I didn't do any of that growing up. My mom, my dad, my grandparents. I don't even think did anything with that. Wow. But it was a part of who I was the whole time. And so when it came time to actually step into a little bit of a comedic, comedic role or stepping in front of people, which is often the number one response that people say when you get when you do stand-up yeah. comedy or even improv comedy is that they're impressed and that you're brave. Yeah. It's not even that they laughed at you, even though you know they were laughing. But yeah. that wasn't the poignant like impression that it made on them. And so just even thinking about that with my parents, just the fact that they were there for me in the basic needs, like you yeah. said, and... When it comes time to doing something that you were made for, you're ready for it. Yeah. And you have um, – I feel like there's – no, brain, brain working, working, working. No. <laughs> I was ready for an explosion there. <laughs> Some synapses. Um, yeah, no, it's gone. It's, it's gone. It's gone. So anyway, uh, tell us about you know comedy or whatever. Comedy and stuff. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of whatever. You know, I got some in my backyard. I got some in my house. I've been working on a little bit of whatever as well. And uh, so a little bit of that whatever. One thing that I, I have thought about a lot, a lot with comedy, looking yeah. back at some of the, I wouldn't say they're originators, but since media has become a big thing with television, like Bing Crosby and Bob yeah. Hope, is one thing they would do is they did the television stuff. They did the stand-up stuff. But they would go to um, overseas and stuff. Yeah. They would go to these um, army stations. Yeah, they go, yeah. go to Air Force bases or Navy bases and just – Talk to people who hadn't been talked to in in wow, you know, what do months. You think about that? Like these are people. This is before they really had. They didn't have TVs. They didn't have laptops. They weren't watching Netflix Smart while they're over there. Right. That's, oh wow, that's interesting. And that's just within the last twenty years that people have even been doing that. Yes. So it's a huge deal that they would do that. Um, I still think there's something very much there as far as that personal touch yeah. visiting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like for example, they can order something off of Amazon, but when someone from they're from America or their home sends it to them. It, it yeah. means a whole lot more. Well, it's because there's thought attached to it. it. It's not just the item. It's the item plus, Hey, I was thinking about you and I care enough to know what you like or to try and find something new you'll like. Right. There's just so much more. I mean, to say it cheesily, so much more love attached to it. Mm-hmm. That makes me think like a couple different things, even just like implementing comedy. Cause Something that you and I have talked about and uh, consistently you've even taught me a little bit is just you, we can make people laugh. In yeah. fact, almost you can, and you can do it a myriad of ways, but often what you remember is the things that actually made you feel good, not just yeah. laugh. Things that hit something that was a little bit deeper than just a simple need to chuckle. Yeah. You know, and uh, one example that still hits me so hard, it was my, my girlfriend, I was like 20 years old, right? And... We're parked in the driveway and we're leaving, I think, like one of her friend's house or something. And right in front of the car, I opened the door, closed it for her, you know, mm-hmm. and in between, like, what is this? Three seconds, right? Yeah. In between me closing the door on her, letting her into the passenger side of the car, there's a tree hanging right over the tree, uh, uh, the car. And I grabbed a flower from it. Oh, yeah. I thought it was super simple. Like, I didn't even think anything about it. It was almost like me saying, cool, man. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? If someone does something. So, so I go in the car and I give it to her and I could literally feel something on her. Like she was so happy. She was so appreciative. She was like, thank you. But it wasn't one of those like, thank you. You know, I appreciate it. She was honestly, genuinely moved, really moved. And what we were even talking about, you know, specifically is maybe heightened, you know, going overseas to people who don't have it. But I think people have that innate desire for for value, value period, you know, whether they're overseas or just in your front yard or in Colorado or wherever they are. And, and what's powerful about it though, is when it's simple, when it has thought to it, like yeah. I could have given her a thing, maybe even a bouquet, but it was something about, she knew I was thinking about her in those three seconds. Yeah. So when you're, you know, when you're presenting comedy, a lot of comedians, good comedians that I've even seen in the short term that I've been doing it is when you actually, um, is the word cater where you kind of make it, Oh yeah, yeah. you know, like for example, I did a stand up a bit at, Church for All Nations. Yeah. You know, they really, and around their whole church, there's flags from all around the nations. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how many nations there are, but there's lots of them. <laughs> Close to 200, over Close, 200. Yeah, right. Sure. And, well, and some are even added. Yeah. You know, it's tough to, you know, do you count Taiwan? Is that yes. a real country or not? According to us, yes. According to China, no. There's a problem. <laughs> Go ahead. And in Guam. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. places like that. So you're just like, okay, it's basically a, a naval base or army base or something, U.S. base up there in Guam. Yeah. But, 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 I just made a couple of jokes about the nations. You know, I made a couple of jokes about... Uh, yeah, and Church for All Nations. They love Church that. for All Nations, exactly. You, you make jokes like, about the flags. All the flags, and you walk in, you're like, I saw, saw a couple of BMWs on the way in, and a couple of Toyotas, and I knew I was in the right place. <laughs> you know, and it's just... But it, but it, what it does is it gives them that flower. It yeah. gives them that flower. It was simple, but you took the time to actually think about it. Yeah. And you know, as skilled artists that, that were, you know, aspiring to be, mm-hmm. you, if you allow yourself to think that way... It yeah. can actually touch people more than just the laughing side of it. Yeah. It touches them to like, hey, I'm actually, I care for you. Yeah. You know? They know someone. Fails. Yeah, that's good. That's good. They, they knew someone was coming there and not just coming there to put on a show. Because I've, I've seen shows with some of my, even some of my favorite artists. There's this rapper, Pigeon John. I love okay. him. But he was in the Springs and you could tell you, I mean, he was, the motions were good. Yeah. But his heart wasn't in it. He was just going mm. through the motions, mm. which isn't to say that he's that way at all the shows he's probably you know probably just having an off night or whatever but it's so much different when you can you can feel the energy that people are there to do something for you it's a really good point i mean it goes even down to the basic of like a cashier yeah you know or let's say like if we are a cashier you know just when you're present yeah when you're you know one one of the phrases is uh the lights are on but there's nobody home yeah yep you know like you're physically there the motions are good and it's not even knock on the person it really isn't yeah. it's just a maybe a recognition of for us how how we yeah so what's your goal with comedy um that's interesting to say that like comedy is much more of an avenue of uh part, partly i would say self expression mm-hmm. you know creative expression <clears throat> of for course. sure um it's fun yeah it's something it's it's a good thing to do at the same time, a lot of what we do as far as uh, the input that we get, like from the crowd and stuff like that, you can get among friends, just to be honest with you. Yeah. If you have a good group of friends where you make people laugh and you joke, and then so you have that camaraderie, so you can get laughed at to a degree, mm-hmm. um, or you can get just the even applause, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. You, know, you actually might get real hand claps <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the audience as opposed to... You get to, the myriad <laughs> of expressions of applause. Yeah. I mean, Some I people are like... <laughs> just smacking their lips. They don't have hands. It's tragic. Clap, you know, yeah, smack oh, yeah. I, I snap my fingers. I went like, uh, like a 50s beatnik. My favorite one is when they, uh, never mind. I'm just not going to go there. Um, just, you know, where they, where they clap with you, but they, 
they try to make, you know, arm parts with their fights. <laughs> you know, it's like... I've never had like someone a, applaud me by arm parting. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day. That's that's when I know I'll have arrived. <laughs> you know, if it's only two years in, I'm hanging it up, retiring, and I'm going home. I don't think it's because it's a good thing. It's because, oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> I just broke comedy. <laughs> I just messed it up for everybody. And if I continue this on... In other words, I'm going to stop this plague where it's at, lock the doors, put on quarantine... <laughs> And don't let it go any further. But, but what if you really want to change the way things work, man? Well, <laughs> man, I guess if you're wearing a degree, I'm all right. But. <laughs> Think about it. You're slapping your hands together. What, what is what is that? That's true. It's the intrinsic. It's just culturally acceptable, I guess. It's it is culturally... different than putting your hand under yeah. your armpit or something. <laughs> it's so funny, though, because like... They're, um, they've they've done research and applause basically uh, fills up the same portion of your brain as cocaine. It, so, like, um, applause essentially is a drug. Like, applause and laughter, from a, especially from a stage. Okay. But it, it's a literal drug. And so it's kind of funny that, like, I always thought, like, the applause was the thing. But no, it's the the valuation behind it. It's, hey, everyone's giving me value. Therefore, my brain is lighting up like a Christmas wow. tree. Wow. And you know what? It's funny that you say that because you said, you know, what do you want? You know, you and me, we hang out with uh, some of the same kind of friends. We actually clap for each other when we enter rooms. <laughs> like, it's a literal thing that we do. We actually applause for each other when we're just hanging out. Yeah. So, I guess when you have that, you have that. You might yeah. not need a stage to affirm you, but that's also probably a healthy, yeah. you know, or a healthy year. I shouldn't say just, you're straight down. Well, they've done, they've done studies on addiction. Mm-hmm. And um, so, the, the studies on addiction have always shown, like, you know, a rat in a cage will drink the meth or heroin or cocaine until they die you know because there's like water with met with heroin or water without it and they'll drink it until they literally kill themselves and so a lot of the stuff we know on addiction has been based on that and then someone a few years ago just realized um there there's a that a big hole in this study okay. the rats are by themselves <clears throat> so they took they basically got a big rat cage put like 50 rats in there they put exercise equipment they had uh you know you could get a girlfriend rat, you know. They had real life. Gotcha. And then the rats still used... Girlfriend rat. Yeah, girlfriend. Lady rat. <laughs> um, so the rats still... Some of the rats would still take the the heroin or the cocaine or whatever, but not a single one was even addicted. And it, it speaks to the fact that addiction isn't based on... <clears throat> addiction isn't based on... Just an addictive substance causes you to be addicted and you're screwed. Addiction is, to some, I mean, this is maybe a emotional way to say it, but to some degree, addiction is loneliness. Addiction is lack of value. And so you don't need the applause from the stage because you have that value. And so it's not just because you're getting the applause. It's because everyone is going out of their way to value each other in, the, in your community. And so that means that a lot of the addictions that would happen are just naturally not there. That's interesting. Yeah. One, one of the things that I've heard is it's not an addiction as far as like a substance, but depression. <clears throat> yeah. Like it's, it's not even that people want it, but it's a, it's a constant torment. It has yeah. a lot of the same uh, influences, but you can simply solve that on a temporary basis at least mm-hmm. or you know on a simple basis is just by getting out of the house period and getting around people yeah. not even that love you that just affirm that you're a human and you're alive you well, know what I mean to a degree I've I think, seen that I think that's a little bit more with you because you're a very extroverted true okay but but the concept is still there just gotcha. by being around people and being treated as a human you're going to get a little better a little better right yeah 
Yeah, and I know there's extreme cases for sure, um, and I understand that. At the same time, like addressing even small things is still still decent. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it, uh, my mom always, whenever I'm depressed, she's like, "Have you exercised?" You know, and one thing that um, her chiropractor, uh, who's uh, the chiropractor my mom goes to, is one of the top in the world. She was listed as the uh, uh, one of the top five female chiropractors oh, yeah. in the entire country, nice. and she does like uh, works with the American with the Olympians and like the judo team, the wrestling team, and you know does all that. So she's really really good. So basically, I'm trusting her on this because I haven't done any <laughs> research on whether this is true or not. But she said that your muscles don't don't rest by doing nothing. Like, you know, you think I'm tired, I need to do nothing. And that's true for a lot of your body and your mental stuff. Gotcha, but gotcha. for your muscles, you rest by uh, light to moderate exercise. So going for a walk or doing a few jumping jacks or just kind of playing at a park is actually what gives you rest. So a lot of times you're just getting into this wow. lethargic, like beat up, set hard state. And it's really nothing more than just, hey, I'm, my body is tired and it's telling me to be depressed because it needs to rest, but the rest for your muscles is movement. Wow. That's something else. The natural, how the natural affects the emotional, the emotional affects yeah. the physical and, yeah. you know, and if you're, and if you grow up, well, you said like you're interested in philosophy, which yeah. you very much are, and I'm very, what other people would <laughs> consider religious, but just the idea of sometimes you get so far into one area. Yeah. You know, a bodybuilder might get so far into physical, so if something's going wrong, they think they need to, you know, do something physical, or, or if you're a pastor or a preacher oh, or a Christian yeah. guy like me, you know, like, or just real spiritual thinking, yeah. because, you, because you've seen val validation in those yeah. areas, so, and certain breakthroughs, so you think it has to be spiritual now, or you think I've got to find the right philosophy to really yeah. solve <laughs> my whole being when it is, look, either workouts or get around people, maybe it's a social yeah. thing, Yeah. you know, and I've seen that, and you know, I mean, sometimes it's troubleshooting. What do you mean? You know, troubleshooting, trying to figure out which one it is. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, Maybe it's yeah, not being around people. Maybe it's not just working out. Maybe it is a spiritual issue. Maybe it's, I don't have a goal, you know. You know, it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, it's the motivation to do something. Yeah. And one thing that I learned even, uh, I've been moved out here about two, coming up on three years, right? Uh -huh. And fun. Because I grew up playing basketball, so yeah. I was really driven. And then the other thing in my life was like... Um, spending time with the church or giving to the community or just talking about spiritual things all the time and talking about church and and it was valid at the same time there's like a whole nother world of fun which is yeah. coming out to a comedy show yeah you know what i mean which is actually performing comedy which is you know playing not just sports but actually laughing and goofing and doing things you've never done before yeah you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, so are you saying that fun is almost as valuable as like a spiritual thing or reading a philosophy book or yeah. getting a chiropractic treatment or, in my experience, it has been. Yeah. It really has been. Just just simple fun. And it's, I think that's, that's part of why I want to be in comedy is because there's just a refreshment that happens. Like, when I was young, I was, you know, super depressed, wouldn't come out of my room for like a week at a, no, I mean, not literally a week at a time, but not for more than an hour or two gotcha, a yeah, day yeah. for weeks. I totally out. know what you mean, yeah. Um, and you know, even my grandparents would come from out of town. I'd come up, say hi, go back down to my room, wow. you know? And so it's very real. Yeah. In other words. It was real. And it was just one of the things that helped me the most was just comedy stuff. The Muppets or reading Dave Barry or, you know, whatever. I just, I'd read, you know, I do, do this stuff and I feel okay. And it's just buying it. I mean, it's, it's weird, but it's, I imagine it could be like, um, like a diabetic, you know, just having, that that little bit of insulin and suddenly like you you're well, okay for a while something super simple yeah 
Because a lot of times, real issues are just small issues that are in the forefront. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, like they're you're staring at them. They seem like a big deal. But like you said, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of insulin. Hey. Yeah, I mean it's a real thing. It's not negating the reality. And then of it. it might be like you were cranky and you hated your wife and you wanted to kill your kids. But no, it's just that your blood sugar was it's weird. It's so simple. Well, I mean, a lot of our listeners can probably understand this is the the new term hangry. Yeah, hangry. Yep. You know, and and women are don't get me wrong, guys are, but I've known more women to admit to it at least. Yeah. When they say when they're hangry, their brain is somewhere else. They're yep. not present. They're not there. And we just talked about being present being so valuable. And it's like. You don't really hate life or hate your job. You need a power bar. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like... It's Those two, Snickers it's two, commercials are real. Yes. It's a $2.50, you know, fix. Yeah. You know, it's like simple or 79 cents if you yeah. go to Walmart. And so it's just like, <laughs> get a Snickers, you're okay. Now, I don't advocate Snickers because I'm not a sugar guy, but... Yeah. But <laughs> the cons. <laughs> oh, man. Get an organic, organic Snickers. Um, so, Yeah. Get an organic Snickers. Get an organic Snickers. Uh, <laughs> if you find one, let us know. Please write it. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Just let us know. That would be amazing. I'll, oh, I'll try it. I don't really care for Snickers particularly. I'm more of a uh, heat guy. Heat? Mm, uh, nice. Yeah, crunch, Can't go the crunch, the little, it's stuck in your teeth afterwards. Yes. Uh, so good. Especially in blizzards. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. Know that's my thing. That is my thing. That in ice cream, because it, it's such a texture difference. I love it. Absolutely everything. love it. Yeah, the, the whole experience of it. It doesn't even taste better to me, but I think it's going to be an experience that I had before I'm like, let's go for it. <laughs> That's awesome. So we should talk about comedy or something. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going down that road. I know we were. Mm. Just Well, here's here's one thing I was thinking about. Um, just even the, the comedic side of it, when people yeah. physically laugh. Oh, You yeah. know, there's endorphins released and stuff like that, but... But it's a permission given to them, especially when you're sitting yeah, on stage. Yeah, there's such a huge permission. There's something about I like uh, I like live comedy. Mm-hmm. I I haven't honestly been to the theater too many comedy um, movies just because nowadays I don't find many clean ones um, that I'm okay with. But when you're in a crowd of it, yeah. there's a certain energy. Yeah, you know, and you're doing it with people, so there's that social aspect of it. You know, and I've and I've known many people where they're like, I don't really know if I want to go. I don't want to go, and then afterward they're like. I'm so mad I didn't go to every other one of your shows. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm or I'm so glad that I came to this because this was just like, just what I needed. Yeah. Or honestly, I think a lot of them don't even have words to put to it. Yeah. But they just say a few. Laughter does good like a medicine. I mean, wow. um, my mom does um, massage okay. and she learns a lot of, she reads a lot of book on pain, books on pain and how the body works, stuff like that. And one of the one of the things she says is that uh, deep breathing actually, like, when you breathe deeply, it actually kind of massages your organs, like it moves them around and is really healthy for them. And so laughter is basically literally like fixing your insides in some oh my degree. Gosh, that's crazy. Have you? Let me ask you this: Zach. Have you ever uh, watched something where you laughed so hard that you were sore the next day? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a literal workout. And what you just said is when you actually work out, you massage your muscles. Mm. So, oh, yeah. Or you relax so it's, your it's muscles. It's all interconnected. Yeah. So when you laugh hard enough, my, one of mine was uh, watch a Space Ghost. It was one of his interviews with Brack. And I don't know, I was 13 or 14, so I was in middle school years, which is yeah. stupid. It was so funny. Yeah. You know, which is why Jackass is so big because that same generation is still watching. Well, when shows. you're 13, 14, your brain changes. So um, it, it rewires your brain in such a way that you need extreme stuff. Um, for for about three, four, or five years, depending on you know until you um, until you switch, hit the next brain development period of your life, um, 
So you actually need crazier, weirder stuff. And so that's there's a reason there's a physiological reason why stuff like jackass works because uh, for true. teenagers especially guys especially guys they have to have uh extreme stimuli or they don't feel anything because their brain's readjusting to a new set of uh a new set of uh chemicals going into it that's i, I believe it i mean just spend a little bit of time or <laughs> yeah you know friends yeah just spend a little and... <laughs> spend a little time around uh adolescents oh my gosh they will do the craziest things yeah if you like affirm them like you're not gonna get mad at them they'll do it yeah they'll go up to strangers the fear of man even drops which is yeah. which is wild because that's like the number one fear there is you know fear yeah. of man well, um, public speaking is the number one fear and that's exactly and that's because what you're that in front of men yeah. yeah and so when you think about that the wild thing but but if you get them to Sometimes just giving them the opportunity to do something like that. Yeah. Like you said, I don't know if it just meets it. And the validation. I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier. It gives them the validation that they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And at that age, I guess they're looking for everything extreme. And, and I don't know. I don't know if it's just that age or something. But when uh, when you're younger, your validation comes through a certain avenue. You receive it a certain way. Yeah. But when you're 12, you don't receive it the same way anymore. Yep. Your dad just can't be like, hey, you know, come over here and cuddle. You know what I mean? When that might have worked when you were eight, probably worked seven, for me, but you know, yeah, that's what I say. Some people, for yeah. sure. It's just, but I think you need something like. Well, you need to start becoming your own autonomous being. Yeah, which is awesome and fun. You know, so giving people opportunity to do that. And, uh, Space Ghost. It was two aliens. I mean, we're talking about extreme, and they're interviewing each other. There's nothing real about this interview. It's not a real person, you know, but. What in the world's happening? You know, and I was, I remember I was, you know, you don't sit on couches, you do whatever you want. I'm sitting on the coffee table, rolled over, laughing. <laughs> like I can feel my stomach getting a workout and I was crying. And I don't, I mean, it's probably 11 or 12 at night for one thing, which yeah. always helps because yeah. I don't know if your emotions are just more susceptible oh, yeah. or whatever at that time. <laughs> well, for me, it's like 2 or 3 a.m., 4 a.m., probably now like 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You work it overnight. That's all another story. <laughs> get home from work and turn on some comedy stuff crying <laughs> or or you don't even got you're thinking about the gym and you're like now nah, let's go watch some Jim Carrey <laughs> that's the that's the new Jim, Jim. Carrey's stand up I just so enjoyed it and I, I know it wasn't exactly your thing but ah oh, so good he's like isn't that the most beautiful mushroom cloud you ever saw <laughs> so good I like how he gets into it that's yeah. what I do appreciate how it's not just he doesn't necessarily rely on the joke yeah but he's like this is it's an entire reality. It's an entire reality. Yeah, oh, that's man. actually interesting. Like, there's a lot of people who just, you know, stand-up purists are more like, stand-up is simply verbal, nothing else. You know, but there's there's the verbal side, the emotional side, the physical side, accents. Like, every every little bit of it is, is another kind of building block. And Jim Carrey was one of the few who actually hit all the building blocks, I feel like. Sometimes I think it's just a thing. It's a gift. Yeah. You know, like oh, you're yeah. born and raised up to at least in that avenue. And when it. Well, he was also like the 11th of 13 kids, I believe. Oh, and wow. like lived in a van, liter- literally lived in a van. Like their entire family would help out. Now, I might be getting these details wrong. It's been a while since I've read read stuff about him. But like their entire family had to help out with like uh, being custodians and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was just, he was raised in a really hard knock life. And I think, you know, maybe. Um, Maybe he uh, compensated by making his family laugh, you know, making them okay. And then, you know, he... It was, when you he, see that it works, you yeah. keep going with it and developing it. And then he would just, you know, spend hours in front of the mirror working on his faces and stuff like that. So he wasn't just kind of like making a face on stage and then going, oh, okay, that's what I do. I mean, I make faces. I, I don't 
in the mirror, I don't, I can like, okay, that was enjoyable, but I have no idea how to reproduce that on, gotcha, gotcha. on stage yeah. because my mind doesn't work in physicalities. It works in emotional states. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, this emotional state is what I need to elicit. And so I just kind of do a face that seems like it would do that. And so I have no idea if I'm even making the same faces every time, yeah. you know, I'm just doing the best I can before. Well, and, that's, and that's probably your style too, yeah. because you're more emotional. And so it's like, if that emotion means something different to you on a different night, it's probably portrayed better that way still. That's, that's a good because point, Because what you're actually portraying is an emotion, so you want them to feel you more than observe yeah, you. Yeah, so I'm not creating... Yeah, that's actually really good. I like that. I like that. So, yeah, so it's kind of like, just like, we uh, often will will admire somebody for being them and, like, walking mm-hmm. in who they... what they're really gifted yeah. in, like for Jim Carrey. And yet we won't <laughs> recognize that in ourselves, and we'll try to mimic those people that we admire them for doing something that we aren't doing yeah. I guess it's, it's just interesting it's weird I know you can learn from them but at the same time it's like the reason he's good is because he's doing the he's best doing what made him yeah what worked for him exactly my brother uh, he's I'm the second oldest of six and so he's the third oldest in there and we would just laugh and joke my family we're all pretty uh, extroverted and real social yeah. and when there's we'll do something if people start laughing we keep going like we won't <laughs> stop like I put my foot on my friend's car and someone thought that was funny so I continued to climb over the entire car <laughs> and pound on it and try to like act like I was a zombie reaching in through the open window you know what I mean like and yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that if they didn't laugh but I was like well let's they're laughing go for it <laughs> yes and yes and you just kept going you're like for the entertainment of others <laughs> that's actually like my family's motto for the entertainment of others We'll just do it. It doesn't even matter if it costs us a, I don't know, just a, a coat or like we'll, 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 we'll lay out our nice coat in the middle of a puddle of a parking lot if there's a girl. Yeah. It's like, no, no, don't walk around the puddle. Walk on my coat. Over the puddle. And then the coat sinks down and they're wet anyway. <laughs> but anyways, but it was the thought that counts. So. I think that practice made more sense when everyone wore really thick like <laughs> cloaks. True. Yeah, this is in Florida. They're not even raincoats. So I think they're sweaters. <laughs> You just rip off your shirt, like uh, flex a little. <laughs> hey, babe, walk over this. Sorry, soaked. Hey, if they're if they're like walk over it hard, so the so the water splashes on my bare glistening <laughs> chest. Make a little hop and skip. That's so funny. We literally like run and race each other to open the door for the for the lady and push each other over on the way. Why? <laughs> Only because of them. Once they walked away, we wouldn't even like talk about it. We're just like, okay, that was fun. Whatever. But because they thought it might be cool, we're like, let's do it. (laughs) And so that's Jim Carrey, part of a big family, you know? Yeah. You just go for it, man. I wonder if that's a thing. Like, I haven't researched the size of families of uh, comedians. But I know, I mean, just just the ones I can think of, a lot of them were from from big families. Really? Yeah, I'm thinking, um, so... Brian Regan's one of six. Okay. Um, Bob Hope was one of like five, I think. Um, Jack Benny was one of like, crap, I can't remember. Uh, like uh, uh, Mark's brothers had like five, you know, or six brothers. But of course, now some of these are older, and so obviously yeah. family sizes were bigger. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but like, I think, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to look at. It could be a thing. I mean, yeah, not necessarily exclusive. Yeah. At the same time, there is something to it. I mean, I, I, a lot of who I am is because I was a big family. Yeah. A lot of who you are is because of that big family. Yeah. I'm one of six as well, by the way. Gotcha. So, yeah, I think so, about it. So, okay, so Jim Carrey's thing is kind of being a little bit of everything, the manic energy, the impressions. Mm-hmm. So, like, when it comes to comedy, what, is, what are you feeling like? I mean, I've talked to you about this before, but what do you feel is your, is you? What do you feel makes you you? On stage. I think one of the biggest things is actually being very present to the people there. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really yeah. is. And 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 uh, I recognize that in just being social in the rest of my life mm-hmm. is uh, you show them you're there. For one thing, by eye contact, like if it was personal, but you're you're really present um, with your mind. But that I show that by. Uh, by physicality, yeah. I show that by a lot of facial expressions, <clears throat> yeah. And I show that by my verbal cues. So, so sometimes, uh, for example, when I do a lot of my my comedy, it's not just about my fifteen minutes, ten minutes on stage, or hour and a half on stage. It's actually a lot of hour it. and a half being uh, improv. Improv, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the improv side of things. So a lot of it's actually the before when I'm present with them. Mm-hmm. It's the in between the improv games, or it's after when I'm talking with them. So it's it's not in order to set me up for that time on stage, but it's it's a part of the whole deal. Yeah. So being present, being there for them, um, and so what that looks like is for me, mm-hmm. I don't is being physical, being even a little bit loud. Yeah. Um, not I don't I wouldn't call it arrogant, but I would call it more like party loud. You know, <laughs> party more loud, like celebration like or party loud, where you're just you're there when you walk into the room, you're like, hey everybody, not just hey everybody going around, you know, one by one. At the same time, you're like, it's my it's my time to shine. You're a party leader. I'm a party leader, and so it's like when all the all the faces are on me, it's like, let's do this thing. It's time. And so, how do you how do you translate that to when you're actually on the stage? When I'm actually on stage, definitely. Well, I have a one bit where I literally dance to a song for four minutes. <laughs> it's so dance. funny because everyone's like, "Oh, this is really funny. He's dancing. He he's keep he's still did. Da- oh, wait, he's really doing this. He's." I, no way. Is he going to dance this whole song? I had no idea. That's how people were going to respond. Like, my idea was, like, almost set it up. I had a whole, you know, bit where I had this whole thing, you know, with jokes and, you know, a couple actions and stuff. But it was the whole reason I did that bit was because I wanted to dance to the song. <laughs> jokes were just made up for that. I didn't really care about those jokes so much. And within one minute, everybody's clapping. But in my brain, I'm like, this is going to last four minutes. But after 35 seconds to a minute, they were done. Yeah. I mean, people started drinking their coffee again. They turned around to their friends and started talking. In fact, one of one of the audience members, he, he literally came back and he was like, he was like, man, that was a good dance. He, he's like, I, I was really into it for the first minute. And then I checked some stuff in my phone. And then I realized, wait a second, he's still going. <laughs> and so it was like, it was just a whole other world, which I think, I don't know. I think that's part of the awkward comedy where like, I don't know if that's the best terminology, but when you stay with them long enough, mm-hmm. you just they have they have to sink in. It's like going on a two week vacation as opposed to one. You know, sometimes when you go on like only a couple days vacation, yeah. you don't really settle in, you don't really rest, you don't really get away from the office. You know what I mean? But every day after that, you really settle in and it lets it happen. So in a much more micro level, yeah. where you just keep going, people don't know what to do except to be like, "Wow, life really is." Not embarrassing. <laughs> Where life really isn't as big of a deal or as serious yeah. as I thought. Like when you can take heart and take light of it. Because sometimes they just they start to feel bad for you. <laughs> because they think that you don't know what you're doing. And, which is entirely true. <laughs> but you're not embarrassed for not knowing what you're doing. So at the end, they almost appreciate it. I had a friend who was like, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like he, he um, Matthew Brown. He, he just came up afterwards. He's like... Just watching that was just wonderful. It was exactly what I needed. He just kept dancing. <laughs> he didn't stop. People didn't know what to do. Yeah. 
Well, that's actually how Steve Martin did. Like, his entire comedy routine was based on the idea of not giving them specific punchlines. Like, creating this, the tension of laughter and never officially releasing it. So people, it just kind of releases at awkward times because you just start laughing because you're laughing at all this weird built-up stuff and you don't even know quite what you're laughing at. You're just like, what is going on? (laughs) Oh, that's so good. And I can relate to that because my comedy isn't necessarily about, um, or at least at this point, isn't just about some pristine or precise yeah. you know, delivery or message. It's honestly it's kind about, of about the energy. Yes, being with the people. And what energy do you have without the people? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So exactly, I feel you. So sometimes you just, it's not only just feeling it out, but it's recognizing that this isn't a, uh, I'm not writing a book. Yeah. You know, which I mean, I guess I could do. It's just the reality is it's the people that are there. That's number one. It's just always number one, whether I know them or not. Like I've done some things where I don't hardly know anybody there. It's still about the people though. And so it's like, I just trust that, Hey, I have this gift for a reason. The Lord's using me for a reason. So let's go after it. Let's build some energy. If they figure it out at the end, great. If they don't, it's not a big problem either. Like what person in the world has ever pleased a hundred percent of their people? Yeah. I I mean, mean, that's not a thing. (laughs) You don't like Brian Regan. I I don't think he's the greatest. I mean, to me, that's, that's insanity. Like, but they're, I I don't like I don't really care for Louis C.K. and Louis yeah. C.K. is like One the of god of com- of yeah. comedian. Co- for anyone who is a comedian, okay. they are in love with Louis C.K. They want to be Louis C.K. Yeah, and you know, so every like you could be the greatest. You can be Louis C.K. or Brian Regan and have people who are just even comedians, even people who love this stuff, mm-hmm. who are just like, eh, eh, it's not my thing. It's just not. See, isn't that wild? Yeah. So so the pressure's got to fall off. Yeah. You know, you got to be like, it's okay if everybody didn't laugh at you. Yeah. You know? And I don't know what it is in people that tend to remember the one, you know, uh, criticism over the 10 complaints. but Over the 10, yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, 10 compliments. compliments yeah. Sorry, yeah. Focus on the 10 compliments because the reality is people will say they're there to touch people's lives, but then they'll be hurt when they didn't touch the one person's life. Did you, did you touch someone's life? I bet you did. You, you and... You can touch them to the point where they remember it for years. I mean, I remember Mike Warnke, you know, Christian comedian from the 80s, mm-hmm, crazy mm-hmm. scandals and stuff. But, like, they found out that he was basically lying about, like, his entire testimony. Oh he gosh. had this whole thing about how he was, like, um, you know, in a sa- leader of a satanic cult and, like, like all this crazy, was crazy it stuff. Bit or was it just it was, like, it was like, that was kind of, he built his, he had, like, a testimony thing and he okay, would he would, he would kind of go back and forth between comedy and serious. And that was – it was completely fake apparently, but it's still like just that story. Uh-huh. Like not not the story specifically, but just the listening to him over and over, you know, was like a life-changing thing. Like it, it you know, taught me comedy. It taught me to, taught me to you know, be serious have, and like have a deeper meaning with your comedy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I would have – I would never be who I am without that. And that – I mean – so the point wasn't intended to be that he, you know, he was yeah. a crazy liar, but like, um, but you, you touch, you touch people mm-hmm. and he never knew me. He never knew I, well, I like him. Story. I mean, I've, I've been like one of his audiences, but there were like 10,000 people. He gotcha. had no idea, you know, but I just listening to his stuff over and over and over again mm-hmm. made such a difference in me. And like, so I was in a recording studio with uh, my friend Ty. He was recording for a, for a, sing, a songwriting contest and I just, you know, afterwards, I just kind of went in there and just uh, did a couple of jokes for my act, for my act, and just I, I had these little poems of the douchebag, okay. and I just say really like, um, "Roses are red, violets are blue. Compared to me, girl, you're only a two. 
Yeah, I call that one love poem to a beautiful lady. Oh my like, God. Just, you know, and, and it kind of builds on that. And there's yeah, like yeah. multiple poems and, and stuff. But, um, but you know, I, I was just doing that. And I had a friend like who listened, the, the friend, uh, my friend Daniel, who, uh, Daniel Lamb, who has actually like worked at the recording studio, he recorded that. And I had friends tell me later, like every, every couple days I walk in. And I hear Dan. I see Daniel Lamb just listening to that bit that you did, and just giggling to himself. And I'm like, I had no idea. I was just doing crap. But he had it recorded. Yeah, and like, and it meant something to him, mm-hmm. you know. And so we don't know the impact we're having on on these people. That's true. And there's something about uh, performers, like even musicians and people who do it for a long period of time, where. It's also sometimes at certain seasons of people's lives. Yeah. You know, not everybody's in the same season, but sometimes if you hit them when they're there, it's just like, oh my gosh, like that's, and it really is, it's a marker in their life because that helped them in that season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they remember that because like, hey, you know what? Even in the hard times, like good comes out of it. And and there's always, there's usually, I mean, maybe this is just the way my brain works, but I usually kind of, I have anchor points through different seasons. Like it could be a preaching from a pastor or like, um, I was having a really hard time. Uh, what? Oh, still, that's still going. Um, so I was having a really hard, um, uh, what time do you need to leave? Oh, I'm good at that. Okay, cool. I'll leave at like seven. I have no idea how long it's minutes. been going. I, I don't even know sure how to use this. still running so that we weren't just talking. Oh yeah. That's yeah. It's still, oh yeah. Thanks. I haven't checked that in like yeah, 30, 40 fine. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so awesome. good to know that our podcast is still going. Um, <laughs> hey, we're 51 minutes in. High five. Nice. Uh, typically like the podcasts I like are usually right about an hour. So oh, really? yeah, okay. those are the ones that I listen to. Um, Bill Simmons, Nerdist, like, um, Nerdist writers panel. Yeah. Usually an hour. Usually like interviews? 10. Uh, yeah, it's almost, it's always, it's usually like talking to his friend Joe or, or like, you know, his friend Haralabob. Haralabob Volgarmos. Awesome. Whenever That's I need a fake really name, cool. I just use his, it's hilarious. Haralabob. <laughs> That's awesome. One one trick in uh, comedy is uh, K's, W's, uh, H's, certain letters are funnier than others. Ah, uh, I got you. So you can actually just like, um, I scratched my eye. Okay. I scratched my cornea. Uh, like cornea is just a funnier word. Interesting. Like, Even though it's a C, it's the cuss. Yeah, the cuss. The cuss sound <laughs> is, is what's funny. So the what, the cut, and the hug. Mortal cornea bad. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> that, that, I redact that joke. That Mortal combat. <laughs> I actually saw a webcomic. They had uh, Portal Combat. So it was like the portal, the game. And then, like, so it's just like Portal. And then suddenly someone just punches out of it, pulls the dude's heart out. It's like, Portal Combat! <laughs> you didn't expect it at all. It was great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where comedy's going gone since YouTube. Um, I, I like it. People's expression, man. You don't have to be something to be yeah. something. Well, it, because you can do shorter stuff. Okay. It used to be, in order to be a comedian, you needed to put out a whole magazine or get syndicated in a, wow, in, wow, a, wow, wow. in a you know by King Features or whoever, or you needed to get on the radio, um, you know you needed to make movies for RKO, whoever you needed to it needed to be a serious thing. Now there were way less people trying to do it, so there are tons of stories like someone just walked up to a studio head and was just like, "Hey, can I be in your movie?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." Now, not literally that, but, you know, the equivalent of that. Like, they just send a letter to their favorite comedian. The comedian was like, all right, meet me in this hotel, and we'll write jokes for the next oh three weeks. Gosh. Like, just literally just, I'm going to write jokes for Milton Berle for three weeks straight now, or 
or whatever. I yeah, I mean, I guess so. But now you can do you can do a little thing, and so gotcha. not everyone has the resources to be able to commit to full time comedy. Right, uh, right, which makes a lot of sense. And then and even if you do have the resources, you don't necessarily have to. Yeah, you know, because you can put out stuff and you can keep your job. And it's not as much strain, maybe. Yeah, you know. And you can just put out like a weird thing, like you know, epic meal time, or um, my favorite is one of my favorites is how to basic, okay. and he just like does how to videos, but it's like how you know how to make sushi, and it's like this beautiful picture cover art image, and you're like, oh, he's gonna teach me how, and then it's just this guy on a cell phone, and he's just like pouring out entire bags of rice and slams a <laughs> trout like an uncooked trout down on it, and he's just like, <laughs> just. Oh it's amazing. Gosh. So basically, like the the length of commercials back in the day in the forties and fifties when yeah. television was there. Well, the the length of commercials was like one to two minutes a lot of times. Were they back then? Yeah, it, commercials in the fifties were weird things. Like uh, there wasn't even every commercial was modern advertising was not invented. It was invented really by Stan Freeberg, who's one of my heroes. Um, but like commercials were not humorous at all. There were you know four and five housewives believes that this is the soap to beat. And then, like, a housewife standing around going, look at this, these clean dishes. And, like, oh, wow. and it was just, they well, were almost that was even valued all... more than humor. Humor's almost, like, valued higher than anything nowadays. Yeah. I mean, just look at Super Bowl oh, commercials. Yeah. Well, I think you that know. happened a little bit around the uh, time when the uh, Old Spice commercial came out. Like that, the, uh, look at your man, now back at me, now back at your man, now back to me. You know, that whole thing. And it was right around then when, you know, because advertising was still funny before then. Yeah, 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 it was. But they didn't believe that, like... That was the main Now thing it's like mean. half of the commercials need yes, to have comedy. Tense. It used to be, like, maybe 10%, you know. And before Stan Freeberg, it was no one. So, ah, uh, gotcha. Because I think about, like, that lady with the, you know, what was valued was being considered a good housewife. Yeah. So you'd want to portray well, a yeah. good housewife. And it's funny because a lot of people think, like, oh, so sexist. But you don't realize they were working full time while their husbands were off in a world war. The oh, 50s, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, that whole culture was actually, like, purposely created because they wanted to get back to hyper-reality. They knew that wasn't reality. But they they were just so like determined, like we're gonna get back to America and we're gonna make things normal again, and you're gonna host house parties, and so that that wasn't like I mean there was elements of sexism in it because there's elements of everything and every there's elements of every well, if you negative take it that way, it's how yeah. you view too, yeah, how you feel. But the world. it was it was specifically a reaction that every culture kind of subconsciously agreed to because they wanted to feel like things were normal and feel like they didn't just see millions of Germans kill, you know, killed Which and see like really, Jews, yeah. you know, executed, whatever. Yeah. And I think one of the first commercials that I remember being funny is if we jump 40 years to the nineties, Super Bowl commercial was the Tostitos commercials, I believe. Which one? And it was the one, no, no, it was the beer commercial. I'm sorry. It was the yeah, Bud, Light, Bud Light where, where he says, I love you, man. Yeah. Where he says, I love you, man. And then next year it was Tostitos because it was the guy, he like jumps out of a plane and tries to bungee jump or something. And they just said something clever at the end. But that was also, it could have been my brain because I was yeah. like eight or nine. But it was acceptable for a beer or a chip commercial to yep. be funny because it was expected. Because those were party foods. It was a party yeah. drink. You know, and now, like you said, they're making deodorant commercials funny. Like, what's funny about deodorant? Like, you and I don't walk around and be like, oh, do you have funny deodorant? Oh, <laughs> I smell funny. I, don't, I didn't mean to make that joke. I apologize. It's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's why. No one's But lying. if you think about it and you're at the store – even though it has nothing, you don't value humor in your armpit. You still recognize. Well, I think it. part like, of oh, that's, that's actually awesome. because of the social, the social networking reality that we live in, the social media. 
um, because what we val what we used to value, you know, in the eighties, we value valued hyper femininity or hyper masculinity. We, you know, in every era, we've valued different things. Now, because of the social media stuff, what we value is people seeming like someone we could hang out with, like seeming like a, a cool dude. So we value a lot of humor because that means they're not taking themselves seriously. They're not like, hey, look, it's because because we're a little bit more wary of big big organizations you know in the 90s 80s we weren't wary of um of government and of you know companies in the same way corporations in the same way we are now and so now we want them to we want to feel like they could be our friends because we want to trust that they're running the same mindset as us gotcha, gotcha. and so humor is a really, yeah exactly humor is a really good way to do that because if someone can laugh at themselves you know, Rob Lowe, he's, you know, a handsome leading man type, mm -hmm. but he laughs at himself constantly, plays these ridiculous characters. So we're all like, yeah, we love Rob Lowe <laughs> or, uh, or Johnny Depp. We're like, yeah, we love Rob Johnny Depp because wow. he's one of us. He's just being a, being a goober. Right. He you doesn't know? necessarily take himself too seriously because he plays all sorts of different characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's something else when you think about it like that. And people, and there's also something about, there's something you can be, uh, if you want to relay a humorous message, you can do it fast and quick, which yeah, is very social yeah, yeah, media yeah. type thing. You know, going through Facebook, you're just quick. If you want to relay some other messages, it's it might. to tell a serious love story in 30 seconds. Yes, you can do it, you can but do it's hard. Or even like affirmation encouraging, you can do it in actually five seconds, but it's multiple in order to really believe it. It needs to happen yeah. a dozen times, yeah, a couple yeah, dozen yeah. times, you know, but humor, you can just simply laugh at something in five seconds. And that met, that's need. Yeah. You know, that met the need. So even just with these commercials now that it's getting super expensive and you're wanting to hit a point in 30 seconds, you just do it. Also the viral thing. I didn't even think about that. Duh, with YouTube, they want people to replay it. No one's going to replay a car commercial where a glistening car drives down the road. It's more for social things because if you think that's cool, somehow you think that I'm cool or validation. Yeah, 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 know, yeah. Because I told you about this funny thing. Now I'm funny. And that's actually something like on my Facebook page. I don't do a lot of like I, when I was younger, I did some a lot of political stuff and was kind of angry and whatever. And then I realized like you can – well, first off, it's probably it's not healthy to be negative all the time and be thinking about this political stuff because politics has been like this since, you know, the beginning of time. Every society in history has had corrupt, crappy politicians. And comparatively, <laughs> our situation is bad in a lot of ways. But really, I mean, we got history of the world. we're not we're not stabbing each other to death in the Senate like the Romans mm -hmm. or we're not like, you know, sacrificing kids outright like, you know, Carthaginians. Cart, the, just go with you that. know, I'm just gonna just gonna <laughs> gloss over that one. The carcinogens, <laughs> yeah, the carcinogens. <laughs> We're not terrible for you. Um, but the thing is, like, people don't want people want to go to a source for that. They go to a place, get their negative or dramatic or whatever. They go to a place, get that, but they don't want that like to be their day-to-day -day existence. Uh, they want their day-to-day -day existence to be real and fun and, and yeah, happy. And yeah. like, so you, what you want to do on your, on your social media is give them that. So I give them, Hey, here's a funny video and Hey, here's an interesting thing I found. You know, I try to match it to my actual personality. I posted a, uh, you know, an article, only one person liked it. Cause I knew no one would like it. Cause it wasn't like, a, a crowd pleasing thing, but it was a fascinating thing. It was like, you know, here uh, it was an article by a guy who wrote, read every single uh, issue of ISIS's magazine. Okay. But you know, that's something like, oh, that's a fascinating thing, and it's, you know, you can tell by the by the headline whether you want to read it or not. But some of my specifically INTJ friends are like, oh, okay, I need to read this and like understand what's going on through these people's heads. But like, 
you know, I don't do that every day. Gotcha. I earn the right to post something like that by posting things that will make them happy. It's like the four compliments to every, uh, to every, uh, criticism, you know, that's a, that's a counseling technique, I believe. Um, and so like, you know, you have to butt build, you have to build, um, credibility, credit, um, cre- uh, credit. You have to build credit in people, mental credit with people. So they're like, okay, now I can listen. Now I can listen to a negative thing he has to say. Cause I know that he loves me. You know, mm-hmm. when I was coaching you on improv, I was like, okay, this is great. I, I didn't do it as much as I should, but like did good job here. Good job here. These things were good. And I tried to do more compliments than I did criticism. Cause you can't, you can't buy the criticism in the same way when you gotcha. don't believe that it's coming from someone who has your good in mind. Right, and it's not a even like a negative criticism. It's simply yeah. criticism where you're just yeah. You know, hey, do this a little different. Yeah, just you know, like a coach would do. Or and I mean, obviously, we're talking about Facebook. You're not criticizing people on there, yeah. but at the same time, it's just when you want people to think differently than what they're doing. Because yeah. criticism usually is another word is even correction mm-hmm. because they're going one way, but yeah. you just kind of want to alter it a little bit. Just. Not even like, or just give them the option. Yeah. You know, so that's a good, that's a good thought though. So I try to, you know, like post, post some fun stuff, some happy stuff, some interesting stuff for every time I want to post like a, you know, and, and even when I try to post like real stuff, mm-hmm. I'll try to post things like uh, Hans Rosling, this guy from uh, Sweden, I think. Um, he's a data scientist and he does data on how, you know, the world is actually better than you think it is. Oh, that's good. And like, so I'll try to post instead of just posting, this is horrible. Well, there are horrible things, but also statistically there are a lower percentage of things than at any point in all of humanity's existence. Example, childbirth deaths. Yeah. Childbirth deaths. Yeah. Chi- yeah. Child example. mortality rates yeah. were nuts. Compared to, I mean, it like, was not an uncommon thing. I mean, it was like 50, 50 families, right? Nine yeah. kids, 12 kids. Yeah. And they should have had 15. You yeah. know, or they should, you know, just, yeah. And yeah. that was just kind of like, by the Hans Rosling was, actually was. has an entire video on that. I posted that. Okay. It, it was, it was in one of the bar charts that you did, but that's just something that hits home. It's yeah. not really debatable. You don't need to know people are getting more people yeah. getting killed overseas, you know, things like that. But it's just like a day to day reality. On a day to day thing. Things are better. You're not having that's five miscarriages. I mean, it's seriously. It's in weird town, when someone has a miscarriage. A town of a uh, quarter million people. Yeah. You know, which a lot of cities are around, I mean, a minimum around the United States. I mean, towns were smaller back then, but think about that. If, if it was still the same, mm-hmm. that'd be a lot of deaths. And there's still, I mean, there's still a number of deaths, but like, yeah. we're talking about so far few. Well, now it's, it's like 2% yeah. child mortality rate versus, I, I'd have to look up the statistics again, I'm guessing on this, but versus 50% or it's whatever. Just a lot, yeah. a lot more. So things are getting better. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the things are We have air conditioning still, and wow. heat. We have... 200 years ago, you maybe had like someone fan you or you had <laughs> men jewel up on your deck and you know, like you listen, I listen to old, uh, like old books on CD. Like there's one called captain blood. It's about a pirate captain in the, uh, a guy who got sold into, who got tried to help someone wound up going into slavery and then, um, wound up, wound up becoming a pirate captain. And like, wow, he was in, uh, the, um, in like Barbados or Jamaica or something. Uh-huh. And just listening to him is like, you realize how much they were dying of heat. Like it was a punishment to even run the plantations out there because it was just so freaking hot. Was Jamaica. Okay. Dang. Um, and just those, you know, though now we'd be like, yeah, we got to live there. You can have AC and oh whatever. Gosh. It's cool. We can just go out. Like it's just, we're, we're living in a blessed changed. time. Yeah. The world has changed. I was just in Florida for a couple of weeks, uh, November. November. If you're up north, I mean, it's usually cool and nice. Mm-hmm. 
it, they were setting records. I mean, the hottest it's been in 70 years. Yeah. And, and obviously there's been hundreds of other years, but I'm just saying like, this is Yeah, we've only Florida. had records for 120 yeah, that's years. That's why I said 70 years. I was like, yeah. something like that. Who knows? But it's just the reality of thinking like, it was, it was tough to go outside, but people had been miserable even at night. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to go outside, but I didn't have to. I had a great you time. You had air conditioning. I had, had friends. A... We had movies. We had inside. We, we had our wedding inside where we're yeah. dancing. You yeah. know, for two hours, can dance. we can dance and not die. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? For two hours as opposed to 10 minutes. Yeah. And we're in a three piece suit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and we're in Florida at 70 degrees. So it's just, that's really neat. Yeah. There's just so much good stuff. So, uh, we have to go, but final thought, you can th- say whatever you want. You can say final thought. one minute to 10 minutes to 20 seconds for me is, uh, it's a lot of, you know, there's a new saying going on, like be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because it gives credence to what you go for. At the same time, don't just, like, people be themselves with their first thought or their second thought, because that's who they really think they are. But like, invest, invest, invest a little bit more time in who you think you are, talk to people about how they view you, and then like, there's something that you can actually invest into in who you are, mm-hmm. and not just something simple. For example, like I know a lot of people that really like video games, yeah. and I say I'm not bashing video games, but mm-hmm. I might kind of be bashing video games because of the hours that they put in it, and I don't know like what good that is on a, on a large level. I'm also a social, much more extrovert, so I'm not like bashing it, but I'm thinking, for the next 30 years, do you want to be playing video games four hours a day? You might. Not a problem. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would help me. You probably won't hang out with me. I don't know. It's just a thought. It's actually so probably not a final thought. What you're kind of thinking is saying is care about who, about which parts of yourself you're encouraging I think that's to some a good degree. Point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, because well, there's, there's just that, that phrase that's thrown out there, be you. Yeah. It's like, you know, that some people the, don't even know who they are, but the very first thought that they, they just continue to do what they're doing, even if it's not working. Yeah, in comedy, you often want to ignore your first two thoughts. Like, be serious about them. Seriously investigate your first thought, your second thought, but go with your third thought. Whatever your third thought is, is probably not the same joke that everyone else made. And it's probably Uh, a better thing. So it's probably more you. Yeah. Because it's more original. Yeah, exactly. That's the you that, you know... My dad always does terrible puns. The terrible pun is probably your first thought, and then like, mm-hmm. oh, the you know the fart joke is your second right. thought. But the third thought is the thought that no one else has, and that's that's a little bit more unique and a little bit more you. Yeah, something to chew on. That's actually a really good good point. I like that, and it's not to yeah, I like that. All right, well, uh, I'm Zach Harris, uh, Colorado Comedy Cast or Colorado Comedy Podcast, Comedy whatever podcast. I decide to call it. And I'm here with the wonderful, the lovely, the delightful, oh, some delightful lovely, <laughs> correct, Mr. Aaron Owens. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, have a great day, man. Good time. Or however else we end a podcast. <laughs>
Okay, bye.